Jenny Amos here, your host for Generic Conversations. It's 4th of July here in America, which to me is a good reminder of the freedom I have to express myself and facilitate many conversations I'm fortunate to have through podcasting. With Generic Conversations, my intent is to spark an introspective conversation with yourself in hopes that you too will count your blessings. Really excited for today's conversation, but before we dive in, I do have a couple of announcements. First of all, if you're interested in resources and content that inspire you to say, I needed this, I encourage you to visit genericpodcast.com. Remember that's generic with a J as in Jen, Jack, Jill, Jaguar, (laughs) or in our show notes, you can find our signup form for our newsletter. Would love to have you be a part of it. Love to have you be part of the community and hopefully have you contribute. Secondly, if you've been enjoying these conversations so far and you want to be in community with people who value introspective conversations with themselves by listening to other people's stories, consider signing up for my mastermind group. You can check out the show notes of this episode or again, visit genericpodcast.com to get on the waiting list. And of course, generic podcasts wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors. I get asked quite often, Jen, how did you start podcasting? Where do you even begin? Well, if you're looking for a web hosting service, I highly recommend Captivate.fm. If you're someone that doesn't wanna keep explaining to people, oh, you can find my show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, if you just wanna send them to one website, Captivate makes it really easy for you to not only distribute your show, but refer your listeners to one website. You can get an example of what their website templates look like by visiting my website, genericpodcast.com. And if you would like to learn more about them as our sponsor, please check out our show notes. Or you can visit genericconversations.com. Remember, that's generic with a J as in Jen, genericconversations.com to learn about Captivate as well as the rest of our sponsors. With that said, I'm really excited to dive into our next interview. This conversation with Michelle Baxo will have you thinking about choosing the person that you wanna be in a relationship. I think this is actually kind of important, especially if you have a pandemic partner right now or aspire to have one, if you had one, you know, what kind of relationship do you want that to look like and and who do you wanna be in that relationship? And if you do have a pandemic partner to you know, maybe evaluate how you can be better in that relationship. This conversation will also have you thinking about what it means to finally truly settle in after a lifetime of living a nomadic gypsy life. Also your impulses, how they actually may not be your calling or what you actually need. And lastly, this conversation will have you thinking about how the in-between is our access to going from powerless to powerful. All right, that's all I got to share. Please enjoy this interview with Michelle Baxo. All right. Hey, everyone. Jen Amos here. Welcome back to Generic Conversations, where I'm very fortunate to have candid conversations with amazing individuals that'll have you say, I needed this. Today's conversation is with Michelle Baxo. Michelle Baxo is an empowerment coach helping high-achieving women around the world to go from powerless to powerful in every aspect of life, including love, business, and mindset. Michelle's expert advice can be found in various media outlets such as Forbes, Cosmopolitan, and Insider. Her new book, Power Love Dating, has been released and is a real-world guide to empowered love. Michelle lives in Canada with her partner, Tommy, and their toddler, Isabella. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, connect with you. And I just want to give a shout out to the Podit community because I think if it wasn't for the Podit community, we wouldn't have found each other. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So shout out to them. And if in, if anyone um, is listening to this and you're looking to, you know, be a guest on someone's show or to, you know, network in that kind of fashion, just check out genericconversations.com. That's generic with a J. And uh, I'll have I'll have that Podit resource for you that you can jump on right away and take advantage of awesome bio. I'm really excited to dive into some of the things mm-hmm. that you are so passionate about. But for people that are getting to know you for the first time and given the landscape of things nowadays, why don't you yeah. share um yeah, why don't you share a snapshot of your life today, uh, particularly what keeps you busy and excited? Oh, well my it's funny cuz the snapshot of my life just changed like yeah? <laughs> 4 days ago. Uh, awesome. Because we just moved so my daughter is about 21 months old, so almost 2 years old and we live with her dad Tommy and but we've been living in the city of Toronto for for quite some time but we just 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 bought our dream home about an hour north of the city right wow. right near the lake. Beautiful. So I, I'm in my new office now, wow. uh, so like wraparound windows, gorgeous trees, birds I'd never even seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm only an hour away from where I lived before, but it's like just this, I, I, I'm in this oasis now. Oh, uh, I you know, have a view of the lake. It's just incredible. And anyone who's lived in any city, like pretty much any dense city, we can, we can all appreciate, you know, places are usually on the smaller side mm-hmm. because of space in cities, pretty much mm-hmm. anywhere you go. So we went from being in quite tight quarters to now having so much space that we don't even know, like, what are we going to put in that <laughs> closet? Like, oh, we don't, <laughs> what are we going to put in these covers, you know? So, I, so yeah, my life right now just, just shifted, but it's like this big exhale, you know, when you- Aww. Like when you, I don't know, you know, I hate to say it's all, I know it's all about the journey. It's not about arriving, but sometimes when we have these pit stops where we can just go, ah, I arrived here. Yes. Yes. This is, and for me, you know, my, I would say since I left my childhood home at about, I think I was 18 when I left my childhood home and I'm just about 39 now. So, Mm -hmm. so for quite some time I've been, a bit of a gypsy on this planet. <laughs> um, I've lived in about 15 different places. Just never really, it, it was always like, this is good for now. This is good for now. Not quite it, not quite it. And that's how a lot of my relationships were too for a long time. Yeah. It was like, that was really in my jobs. Like a lot of things for me were like, this is great for now, but not quite it. Mm. And you know, this is a really special time for me because I feel like it's for the first time in my life, I'm in the relationship where I can say this is it. <laughs> um, there you, you know, go. <laughs> I'm a mom now, you know, so, you know, like this is it. I'm in the home and in the town where I can say, yeah, this is it. And that feels really good. Wow. Uh, Michelle, you said so many uh, awesome things uh, in just your a snapshot of your <laughs> life today. Uh, first of all, I completely understand um, or I can relate to the whole house situation. My husband and I, uh, we met and uh, lived in San Diego, in downtown San Diego, California, for about a, I lived with him for about a year and a half before we moved uh, to the East Coast in Virginia. Mm. But we lived in, we had a one bedroom, one apartment, I know what, yeah, one bedroom, one living room, you uh-huh, know, yeah. like apartment, like in yeah. uh, downtown San Diego. And I remember when I, I moved a, a number of times before I moved in there, but like every time I moved, I had to get rid of more and more stuff. And especially when I moved in with him, I was like, oh my gosh, we have like just one closet, yeah. <laughs> you know, for our stuff. And so uh, yeah. luckily my, my mom, mom lived like 20, 30 minutes away. And so, you know, on occasion, and she's a hoarder anyway. Mm-hmm. So on occasion I would just drop off more stuff there. And, and I know that it would stay there. Um, one time my, what is it? My mom, <laughs> I just like, this is how, you know, she's a hoarder. So yeah. my mom, she had used the same, uh, like graduation sign, like congratulation sign for my sister's, for my sister's high school graduation to her college graduation. Oh my God. So yeah. she kept the same exact sign. So that's how, you know, and that's how I knew that if I leave stuff there, it's, it's going to be safe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, we had moved uh, to the East coast and we now live in um, a three story house with like three bedrooms, three bathrooms yeah. and uh, a garage and a, in a backyard. Like I, I don't yeah. remember the last time I had a backyard and um, uh, we lived here for about a year and a half now, and 
but still like there's so much there's still so much empty space like we just yeah. don't like I don't I'm afraid to even want to fill it up because like we're just renting and I don't know obviously oh, okay, we're not going to yeah. live here long term but like still it's like we just have so much space and so we recently had one of our roommates move out like earlier this year and we decided to turn his room because we didn't know what to do with it we're like oh let, let's just turn it into like a meditation slash yes. gym <laughs> So we have that. And, uh, you know, given, given the social distancing, it's been nice to kind of have this little ecosystem at home. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just knowing what to do once you have, you know, you go from one bedroom to three bedrooms, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, what do I do with all this space? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's different to, I mean, I bet you'll find too, whenever you guys do decide to, um, like to buy, to buy a home, when it's, cause I mean, I, I don't know about other people. I know for me, I was never going to buy a home unless I like wanted to stay there, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so that's been a whole other level of it too, is knowing that I'm at the place that I'm going to be for a long, long time. That used to terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago, I'd be like, I can't buy a home. I don't know if I'm coming or going. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I needed the freedom to be able to leave on a moment's notice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so there's the, there's the physical, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, there's the physical space for sure, but also just this, I don't know, this emotional space that is new. For, I'll be honest. It's new for me in this, in this stage of my life. I, uh, I didn't know if I was capable <laughs> of, yeah. of truly settling in, you know, with, without becoming bored in my life. And it's, yeah, de definitely the opposite is true. Yeah. It's, uh, it sounds like you are experiencing just this perception of permanence for the first time in your life. You're yeah. just like, oh, okay. I'm this, like you said, this is it. Like I'm, I'm here. And, and I like how you said earlier that, you know, we talk a lot about most people always focus on like, oh, focus on the journey, focus on the, on the journey, but it's, it's okay to enjoy the milestones when you do make totally. it to a certain destination. And I'm just glad to be experiencing the destination you are currently at right now with you. Well, it's part, thank you. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think it's, you know, a big part of what I, what I talk about when I'm coaching people is the in-between, like the in-between comes up for me and it'll probably come up with us like a thousand times in this podcast. But I, you know, a lot of the times we often, we go to one extreme or the other, like we're all like, we're either all focused on the journey, 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 journey. And then we forget to acknowledge our milestones. We forget to celebrate, we forget to enjoy, mm -hmm. or we have our attention all on those milestones. And then we forget to, you know, experience and focus on the journey too, right? We have this mm -hmm. tendency to always swing all the way one, all the way the other, right. but you know, when we are awake, making conscious choices in our lives, you know, which sometimes we are, and sometimes we're not, if any of us are really honest, right? <laughs> but when we're awake, we can actually choose to do both, like to mm. enjoy, you know, I, I've arrived to some degree in my life, but I'm very, still very much looking at what's next and what am I creating here and all these things, but it would be easy. So here's the thing I caught myself. I'm always really big on, I think if you're going to be a coach, you have to be doing the work yourself all the time. And I have mm. no ego about the fact that I, you know, I'm just as human now as I ever, you know, as I've always been. So I got to, you know, we got to this house. I was so excited about it, celebrating it, but where the brain, my brain automatically went is, oh, well, I, you know, got to tear up these carpets, definitely want new cabinets. Mm. Oh, what are we going to do with this yard? How are we going to do this deck? Da, da, da. And it's, not that there's anything wrong with wanting to make a place your own, but I almost missed enjoying arriving here. Mm, and I right. had to consciously, consciously catch myself and go, Michelle, you'll never have just moved into this place mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. enjoy right. it, enjoy it, enjoy it. And so now, you know, for me, we put this little love seat in the front of the place. There's this big wraparound window. It's like a for me, it's a dream window, the kind Aww. of window that you want to read near you. You can just sit and gaze out and watch the birds. Like I love it. And we put this love seat right there and it's my favorite place to sit. There's no TV nearby. There's no anything. You be there just to be there. Love and so it. that's my place where whenever I'm there, the only thing I'm doing is enjoying. 
Oh, and and, and and other times, sure, then I can focus on what color do I want these walls to be and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, mm-hmm. I just think it's so important that we allow for wanting to grow, shift, change, enhance, like all of those things are awesome. I'm like a massive advocate for it, but mm-hmm. not at the cost of enjoying life and the destinations. Yeah, absolutely. I've been hearing a lot in your talk about really just your life as a gypsy in in the last <laughs> 39 years of your life and it's yeah. really only only now where you're experiencing this uh, you know perception of permanence and owning a home and everything. I'm curious where does that gypsy uh, personality, uh, you know, come from? Is it, is it something in regards to your childhood where you're just like, you were constantly on the go or, you know, I'm just curious, like, where did that come from? And, and it must feel so interesting to be where you are today to, to, to know that maybe that's behind you now. Sure. Yeah. Well, definitely. So I didn't have the upbringing, you know, where, you know, where I was forced to move from city to city or anything, but my parents did divorce when I was two years old and I was for a certain point. So for a few years into my adolescence, I was one week at my mom's, one week at my dad's, which was very mm-hmm. confusing because they had very different values. And I did that, if I'm really honest too, I did that to keep everybody happy. There was a mm-hmm. custody battle. And mm-hmm. when I heard that as an option, I was, and I was eight or nine years old when all of this custody stuff went down. My parents divorced when I was two, but then it was, my dad wanted custody anyway, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really I, uh, I just wanted to be where my big brother was to be honest with you, but, but I agreed to it because then, ev- then everybody would be happy. And there mm-hmm. I was learning the lesson of pleasing. Yeah, um, at eight years old. At eight years old. Yeah. And then as I got a little bit older, my, you know, my brother who, doesn't deal with this anymore. But at the time when when I was growing up, my brother was dealing with addictions, like multiple addictions. My younger sister was really, was struggling with some emotional things. And then there was just the divorce of my parents, people fighting, all this stuff. Uh, And it wasn't by, let me be, let me be really frank. I had a very blessed life. Like Mm -hmm. I did not have I would have really have just said I had an ordinary childhood, honestly, but, mm-hmm. but just some of these details that were going on. And I always had this feeling like I was supposed to like, like if I don't pay attention and solve these issues, I don't know. Like I felt some sense of responsibility for everyone in my family yeah. and that stressed me out a lot. And so I, now this is in hindsight that I understand this. I didn't have this awareness at the time, but as I grew up, I knew I didn't want to live at home. As I grew up, it was all about counting the days basically until I could graduate high school and go away for university. I mm-hmm. always wanted to be away. And, and in the summers, I would go away to summer camp, which was amazing. And that was where I felt the most free in my life. And I went every year for like my whole life. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I even became the assistant director there for a while. Like it was like, I was hardcore into it, but it was my like get away. And so I started learning like how nice it was to, to start fresh somewhere else to go away. And I just got in this habit of doing that. So some parts were just circumstantial. Like when you go to university, it's not uncommon. So you live in residence the first year and then you get a house with some friends the next year. And then, and then I was in a relationship. So I moved in with that guy and then we moved to a different place the next, you know, like it was just sort of, there was that. And I just got in this habit of doing that. I knew that when I graduated university, I had said to myself, anything but home, like wherever. Mm. So I, I did my under my first degree I did in environmental studies. And then I didn't really want any of the jobs that came from that. So I went back and did my, my education degree. And I thought, okay, wherever they offer me teaching, I'll go there. And so Calgary was in their boom period at the time. They were hiring. I took the job. Great. But I I was there and it was like this perfect job. I got to teach outdoor education and environmental education. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I loved it, but it wasn't my home. Mm. And and so I, I was also, that was a really great example of, okay, I'm here and so in university, I was there, but it wasn't my home. I right. went to teach in Calgary. It was great. I had this awesome job, but it wasn't my home. But home didn't feel like my home either. I didn't right. know where I was coming or going. I thought I wanted to just keep going west. And it was just this search for some sort of experience of my life like it was my own. And then something, I won't go into details about it, but something traumatic happened mm-hmm. to me while I was in Calgary. And it was kind of like the universe 
smacking me across the back of the head saying, hello, go home. Because <laughs> um, I had been talking about like, I think I do want to move back home, but like to Toronto instead of the suburbs where I grew up. And I think mm. I do want to do these things, but I was waiting and waiting and waiting for, I didn't know what. And then this awful thing happened and I needed to take a leave of absence from my work. Mm-hmm. I was a school teacher at, right at the time, took a leave of absence it had me realize I've built this perfect, this like seemingly perfect life. I have a great job as a teacher. It's very secure. Everyone's happy with it. I'm in a great city. Every, I have everything, but my life doesn't feel like my own. I need to mm. actually let go of all of this to create my life, to design my life so I can experience my life. And so I did, um, I did some mind body work. I did some counseling and ultimately I did a course called the landmark forum and, uh, which was like, just freed me up to just Mm -hmm. like stop being so scared of taking risks and living my life. And so I actually, after doing that course, I quit my job as a teacher, but my principal was so happy for me because she knew this is what I needed to do. <laughs> Moved back sort of home, but like actually in Toronto, which was like a, you know, happening city where I could, anyway, I was so excited about it and started my entrepreneurial journey there. Actually, wow. I, ended, I ended up working at the company Landmark for a number of years and leading some of their programs. <laughs> like oh, I, very I went cool. hardcore there for a while. Yeah. I didn't um, know that. Um, I don't mean to jump in, yeah, but I didn't fine. realize um, I've heard about Landmark forever. Yeah. And, and my, I know uh, a number of people in my network who've been through it, including my sister. And it's been, yeah. it's been life-changing for yeah. all of them. And I didn't realize it was out there in, in Canada. So that's just, a, yeah. that's just really cool to know like how much reach <laughs> Landmark has. Landmark's in, in, all over the world. Yeah. It's not in, I mean, it's not in every city, but it's, it's all, it's in every, I'm pretty sure every continent, like it's, Mm. it's, it's every, it's in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think their I think their programs are just awesome and I'm super grateful for it. And, uh, and I'm super grateful for working there too. That, like that, that was like, one, that's a great personal development program is, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> is working it, right? And, well, shout out to uh, Landmark. <laughs> what's that? Shout, yeah, out, shout to out to Landmark. Landmark for sure, for sure. And then, yeah, anyway, I could keep going in the story of my life. But, and actually there, I could say this. So even when I initially was moving to Toronto, I was still like, you know, I, I got a place with sort of a, a friend of a friend, which was again, fine for now, perfect. I'm in the city, it's great. But then she kind of turned a little wackadoo and I started being scared for my safety. So then I moved again, but I moved into something that wasn't great. It was this dingy basement apartment. And, Mm. uh, and I was like, this isn't a fit. So then I moved again, you know, like it was just constantly settling for less, I think in making really rash decisions too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not fully owning what I wanted. And then it was interesting when I took the job at Landmark, the hours are intense. Like it is a highly, like it's a lot of hours you work, mm-hmm. you work there. And um, so I got an apartment with someone else who worked there right up the road, like a seven minute walk mm-hmm. so that it could be super convenient and all of that. Right. But it was funny. I remember vividly after about six months of being in there, I started looking for an, a new place for no reason, mm-hmm. for no reason. I just had like this itch, this like, itch. Right. Okay, well, I've been here for about six months. And so what, where am I going to, and I was going to move all the way across the city and Toronto's a pretty big city. So to get mm-hmm. across is like a long time for no reason, except for this itch that I had. And it was, it was great to discover like sometimes those impulses aren't actually often those impulses aren't actually your calling aren't actually what you want or need. It's just a habit. Mm, It's just a brain pattern. And, and often, and sometimes even running away from something. Right. So it was, that was the first time I stayed somewhere. I stayed there with Megan for, uh, well, I worked there for four years, so I must've lived there for four years. And that was like, honestly, I hadn't been anywhere longer than eight months since wow. I'd been 19. Right. And so this was in my thirties. And so, um, so that was my first, and again, obviously working for a personal and professional development company, you're constantly taking on your own personal and professional right. crap <laughs> that comes up. Right. Right. Um, and so I really, like I was in the perfect place to deal with that part of me that just always like never stayed, like never, I wasn't someone that you could count on. I wasn't that Mm. friend that was going to be there for life. I wasn't anybody's 
maid of honor. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Cause I, mm-hmm. I was like your awesome fun friend for like a while. And then I would leave. <laughs> like, hey, right. Bye. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? And so that was really good for me. And it was almost like that was a stepping stone, like really understanding what it means to stay past that itch was, was one of many stepping stones towards, you know, you know, finding someone who would actually be an appropriate match, for example, to build a life with someone that I actually, you know, being someone that others could count on and finding someone that I could count on. Right. Yeah. And, and building a life with. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a therapist in any way, but yeah, I just, I, I, I can understand, uh, just from the story you told me, um, why you always had that itch to move. And I imagine it just really stems back to, um, your parents divorcing and then, um, wanting to like, just, just, uh, people pleasing and, and wanting to stay at one home for a week and then switching to the other. And that probably just carried into your adult life. And, yeah. um, in a way I can relate because my, I, I, I come from uh, a military family and we had moved every two to three years. And, uh, eventually I, unfortunately I had lost my dad when I was 10. Mm. Um, and we ended up settling in, my mom ended up settling us in San Diego for, uh, 20 years. Years, uh, but in those 20 years, I just never felt like I could settle. Like, just like you, I always like, I mean, school didn't really help because, uh, you know, we, you have middle school, you're there for like, you know, two years and then you go to high school. And then I actually went to two different high schools. And then in college, it's like, it's a free for all. <laughs> I, yeah. I found myself changing my major like three times. And then, um, in my young twenties, I was fired from like four jobs and I eventually just got into sales because it was like the one thing I, I, like the one thing that wouldn't fire me, the, the one thing that right. would be consistent. And, you know, uh, about a decade la- later, I'm 32 now. Um, I have learned to just be comfortable in uh, just spontaneity and, and in a way like being a gypsy as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, lucky me, I, uh, my husband, when we met, um, you know, it turned out he's, he was essentially the same way. Like he couldn't like settle in one place either. And so, and we do, we strive to build like a, a mobile income type of business so that we could take off again. But I really like how you just got to a place where like, man, like, I'm not moving because I'm, I have an itch to go somewhere. I I just have an itch. Like it's just, it's just this habitual thing that I've been used to for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really beautiful that you had recognized that still in your, I mean, I consider thirties young adult (laughs) years, honestly, like, you know, you realize that as a young adult, because I think that there are people, it takes them way later in life to realize what they're doing. Like just that pattern of not really addressing like the, the root of why they keep doing what they're doing. Um, well, so and also the, and the impact too, right? Like mm-hmm. I think one of the things I hadn't realized is the impact of always moving every six to eight months was mm-hmm. I never really had to deal with deep relationships, Mm. whether it was with a roommate or a partner or a friend, neighbor, whatever it was, it was, it, it would feel deep, like and connected, but like, you know, the part where it gets hard, the part where you start seeing each other's dark, you know, shadow sides, the part that, you know what I mean? I never had to really go there for a Mm. long time since I'd been a kid. And so I think, you know, that was really part of it too, is not having to deal with some of the discomforts that come from anything, a relationship after a year, uh, like anything after a year, right? Yeah, no, for sure. So I think it's just really, really impressive and and admirable that you have this self-awareness. And I know it has a lot to do with your personal development, (laughs) you know, career and, and, and landmark. With where you are at today, how is it like, like, do you feel like you're in a place now where you feel comfortable uh, having deep relationships and, and getting to the nasty part of relationships after the honeymoon phases are over. Yeah. You know, it was interesting when, you know, Tommy and I had both done a lot of self-work work mm-hmm. on ourselves before we ended up together. We, I mean, we met later in life, right. Mm-hmm. And he'd done a ton of personal development as well. And so one of the things we actually talked about in the very, very early, early stages of the relationship is look, you know, we're, 
we're grown ass adults here. Okay. And there's, it's not an accident that neither of us are married yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's not hide that fact. Like let's actually deal with this head on. And so we had this conversation and it's something I highly recommend. I, you know, I have my clients do this with, you know, if, if part of what they're looking for is creating a new relationship when they're in that relationship, I have them do this. And you can even do this, even if it's not a new relationship, but you want to make sure it lasts, but you actually look at, okay, look, if you look, so we each looked at our past relationships and saw, okay, based on the things that have happened in the past, what's predictable from my end, like what's predictable from my end to happen that's going to wreck this relationship? Mm, And and then what can I do about that and how can you help me with it? Right. So Mm -hmm. so for me, what you know, what I had shared is I was like, look, you know, I am I pride myself in being really easygoing and open-minded. And so what's likely to happen is I'm gonna be super easygoing and super (laughs) open-minded. And that's gonna be really fun for a while, but over time I'm gonna lose myself. Because it's going to turn into being over accommodating. Wow. And when I start, and then I'm, I'm going to slowly, like, it's going to start eroding at me. I'm going to start becoming a little resentful or disconnected from myself. I'm probably going to lose my sex drive. And then that's going to cause tension in our relationship. Right. And then I'll probably decide I'll fall out of love with you. <laughs> and then I'll have to end the relationship so I can go find myself. That was like, probably how this is going to go. Wow. And so one, him knowing that made a really big difference because now, for instance, uh, let's say it's yoga night for for me, but he really wanted to do something else. He's not going to press. Like if I say, well, tonight's yoga night, He's not going to be like, oh, come on, but I really want to do this with you. Like, he'll be like, good, go to yoga. Because mm-hmm. he knows he's not, he's doing that for me as a human being, but also for our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I know that too. So, because it's so easy. Like one of the things as women, we just, we, we accommodate, we're very good at accommodating. It's one of our biggest right. strengths right. that we can handle. So we can actually stretch ourselves quite a bit. We so can true. compromise. But if we don't be, we don't take responsibility for it. We actually destroy the, we actively destroy the relationships. And we don't think (laughs) like that. We think we're helping the relationship by doing what the other person wants all the time, but we're actually ruining it. So when, so for me, when I'm able to, um, because I'm able to recognize that, that when I, when I'm whole, this relationship has a shot at lasting forever. Mm -hmm. If I'm not whole, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have a shot. It's, it's just going to be a slow erosion to mm-hmm. misery. And so that was real. That was so powerful. And then he did the same thing. He shared like what was likely to happen for him. And I know the parts for me to be responsible for, and he knows the parts for him to be responsible for. So I think what I, you know, more than anything, what I really learned, and this is, this is a, a huge emphasis in my book and with all my coaching is how important are our, our own alignment and supporting another person, empowering another person to have their own alignment really is mm-hmm. as part of the partnership. That's to, like, that is, that's so much of it. So you have, you know, there's this analogy someone gave me. I don't know who originated this. This is not my thing. It's something someone told me once, but I always share it. Mm-hmm. It's called the H relationship compared to the A relationship. So an A, if you think of like the two big sticks of the capital letter A, Mm -hmm. two big sticks that are leaning on each other, and then they've got the little stick across, the stick across being the relationship, the two big sticks being the two people. Mm -hmm. If you take the relationship away, they both fall over. If you take one person away, the other one falls over, right? Mm. Um, Whereas an H, you've got two sticks, two people standing strong on their own. So mm-hmm. if you move one away, the other one's still standing. If you take the relationship away, they're both still standing. Wow. It's two whole people actively choosing to be together and doing the work there is to do that without the leaning. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's power love. Power love is a big part of what, you know, it, it, I talk about power love all the time, but in a relationship, that's what, you know, that's very symbolic of what power love is. So there's definitely a join, but it's as a creation, it's as a commitment. Um, and there's as much emphasis on two people being whole 
as it is the, the merging together and building a life together. Mm, that That's so powerful. You know, you, I think you said something really important or the key word that I got from your explanation is a choice choosing Mm -hmm. to be with someone because, you know, I think about my early romantic relationships and my, um, I mean, since high school where I kind of just fell into relationships, it kind of just happens. And I remember my uh, college sweetheart, I was with him, um, for six or seven years. The the last year was really complicated. That's why I say six or seven. Um, but I remember it was those, those final years or toward the end where I started to really look at our relationship and kind of wake up to like, wait, why am I in this relationship? (laughs) You know, and it's not like he was a bad person in any way. It's just that, you know, and I don't want to speak ill of him. I just think that we just fell into a relationship where my husband at the very beginning, like we both were already into personal development on our own mm-hmm. that when we started to date each other, we started off by reading books together. And and yeah. one of the books that I really want to credit, I don't have the author's name on top of my head, but it's called, the book is called attached and it talks about the, the attachment di- styles. Yes. The three different attachment styles. And it was a really beautiful experience, like reading that with him. And, you know, I was saying to him, I was like, Oh, like you, you seem like a secure person. He's like, what? Like, you think I'm a secure person? I think I'm an anxious person. You seem like a secure person. Uh, And it was just really cute. Like just like being aware of those attachment styles. And after that book, we read another book together and we read another book together. We attended uh, a lot of uh, personal development or professional development related uh, conferences. And um, I just think that uh, as as we get older, you know, in life, um, we start to realize that we do have choice and we don't have to fall, you know, we don't have to settle or just naturally fall into certain types of relationships. But I do think that for anyone that's listening to this, and maybe you're not in a relationship yet, or you are in a relationship, um, to be aware that you have a choice, you know, you have a choice yeah. to choose who you want to be with and you have a choice to, you know, reevaluate who the person you are, you are with. And so that's what yeah. I, I'm hearing and from who, you. And who, and the person that you're being in the relationship. So there's the, there's the other person for sure. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is, yeah, the opportunity to choose to be awake rather than default. I think we have this tendency when it comes to love, well, we talk about it. So with such mystery, right? Like yeah. the right one will come along. <laughs> yeah. You know, like oh, it's, it's very mystical the way we've been brought up to understand love relationships as opposed to any, like, you know, relating to it the way we do, you know, creating the career of your dreams or anything else that you want. Right. But yeah, I think it's also important to look at like, you know, choosing who you want to be with absolutely, but also who you want to be because, mm. because well, for one, knowing who you want to be in a relationship will help you choose the right person, but yeah. it also will help you prevent you from sabotaging something with a really great person. Yes. You know, so true. So true. Cause when yeah. we, for instance, when we just admire someone that we're with, for example, and just both, you know, st- you know, we just start kind of, or, or doing what I did, which is, I called it open-minded and easygoing, but really I just handed, you know, the responsibility for my life to somebody else. And that, yeah. so, so that relationship not working out, you know, I'm thinking of past, well, one of them, I mean, he was an alcoholic, so that wasn't going to go well, but, um, <laughs> but even if I think of, you know, prior relationships, it's hard to say, you know, I was, I mean, I was young, quite a bit younger. I didn't really know what it meant to own myself as a woman when I was mm. in my early twenties. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, so it's, I, I can't actually say if I had picked the wrong one, I, the, 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 really, when I look back on that, all I can see for sure is where, uh, where I had growth. Mm-hmm. So, so, so much. And I think we forget this a lot of the time is that we there's we don't really give relationships a true chance if we're not we don't get out of our own way yeah for sure and i do you know? find that a lot of people end up in relationships where they feel like the other person has to complete them, you know, or the person has to like culturally, you know, we've, we've sort of convinced ourselves that the person that we're going to end up with has to be everything and anything, you know, to you to help you solve all your problems and be your savior, be your hero, be your provider. (laughs) Yeah. He has to, he has to, whether it's male or women, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally turn us on. They also have to give us complete sense of security, which even those two things kind of of conflict in a lot of ways, right? Um, yeah. So they have to totally turn us on. They have they have to give us a sense of security. It's kind of like they need to be our lover, our our partner, our parent, 
our yeah. friend, our best friend, not just a friend. They have to be like our best friend, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. our soulmate, our, you know, our guru, our, they also have to let us teach them things. Like we, yeah, we create, and it's basically, I think something that we've really, um, and, you know, and again, I, I am <laughs> dealt with this probably as more than a lot of people. We, we <laughs> just don't like to deal with things. Mm. Right. And, and which is funny because sometimes because we don't like to deal with things, we stay in relationships that we shouldn't stay in just so that we don't have to deal with that. Right. right. <laughs> right? So it, it, it get that, that resistance to, and a lot of, when I say deal with things, mostly it's deal with ourselves, right. deal with ourselves when it comes to setting a boundary and, and upholding it and having it be our job deal with ourselves when it comes time to communicating something that's hard to communicate uh, or to advocate for ourselves when, you know, someone has said or done something that does cross a boundary and, you know, teaching people how to win with us. Like this is all really, ultimately, we think it's dealing with the external, but really Mm. it's, we're navigating the external, but we're dealing with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. on that note, it would be great. Let's let's dive into just some of the awesome resources that we have to share with our listeners today. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, there, there's two things, so you can decide which one to talk about first. But I know that you have a free gift for our listeners. Um, so there's that. And then also there's your book on power love dating. And yeah. I, I imagine that um, with our conversation so far, uh, a lot of what we've been talking about uh, are in those resources. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of, well, some things we've talked to some of these personal stories I've shared. I've never, I don't even know if I've ever shared with anybody. Oh, well, thank (laughs) Um, you. Thanks for sharing it on my show. (laughs) Yeah, no, but a lot of what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. Right. So power love dating. Um, so this book's just come out. I'm so excited about it because a, um, a huge focus of mine for the last three years, like a large percentage of my clients have been these amazing, smart, intelligent, kick-ass women who you would think should be in relationships, but for whatever reason, they're not, right? Mm. They're settling for crap. They're settling for crumbs or they're, you know, they, they can't, or, or they look around and they can't even see any good options out there. And like, like, sure, I would be in a committed relationship if I could find someone to be like that, you know, like that experience. And I know that was my experience forever. So that's why I got really interested in focusing in on this topic. And um, so I worked with women all around the world, specifically in this area, um, women between the ages of 28 and 60. And and they were all like kick-ass, smart, self-aware women. Mm. And so this book is really a, well, it's a combination of using my journey to help you guide your journey. Mm. Um, with specific steps to take and journal exercises to do and actions to take in your life. And then in the second half is a lot of like really like answers to the questions everybody has. Okay. Like how to set up your online dating profile. Oh, hey. Um, <laughs> like does height really matter or should it, right? Mm. Like why you're attracted to unavailable guys, how to stop obsessive <laughs> thinking, you know, when we like someone and then here yeah. we are this strong, amazing, independent woman. And then we turn into a crazy girl who can't <sighs> stop looking at her phone, how to stop that. Right. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I just, I just want to add yeah. something to this yeah. conversation because yeah. I, I really, although I'm married now, it's interesting. Cause I, I had told this to like, even my, I started to realize this with my previous partners that I've always been told that I was this, you know, independent woman, like she can stand on her own. She can do her own thing. But the moment I'm with a romantic partner, kind of like what you said, like you start off really open-minded and they love you for it. But then in time, when you start to really uh, commit to someone, you become over accommodating. And that's what I did. I ended up just, uh, I remember my college sweetheart. I essentially, I wrapped my life around his mm-hmm. schedule. You know, mm-hmm. I worked from home. So whenever he was off work, I'd be free. Or if I could go to his work, I would be there and I'd be working yeah. with my laptop, but I was always there. And I, I remember just when I started to get more vulnerable with a partner, I would uh, really start to crumble, like you said. And, and I remember my college sweetheart specifically saying this to me. He's like, it was, it was really bad. He was very, 
very just insulting in a way. He, he was like, what happened to you? Like, I thought you were the strong woman. Uh-huh. And he's like, I, I've only been around strong women in my life. Like, I don't know how to handle this right now. Uh-huh. Like when I was at my most vulnerable and oh my gosh, it was just, it was very eye-opening for me. And to even like, and it got me to think about my relationships moving forward, like after him of like, okay, am I going to crumble? <laughs> you know, if I fall yeah. in love with this person. So I love that you're covering this topic because I think for me, it probably stems from uh, having lost my dad at a young age. And I I felt like I had to be this independent person, but it was until I met someone that probably had that, just that (laughs) father-like personality or, or someone that reminded me of my dad. Like I would, I think I would just crumble because I, I just, I didn't know how to maintain those type of relationships because I lost my dad at such a young age. I mean, that's my I never sure. really talked to a therapist about that, but that's kind of what I'm thinking in my head. So well, anyway, I just love yeah. Yeah. So I just love that you have a book that focuses on independent women and really getting into the weeds of uh, what why do you think we crumble? Like why do you think that we get so vulnerable or we, you know, we suddenly don't become that strong, you know, woman uh, after being in a relationship for some time? Well, because we swing to extremes. Like this is this is why I talk so much. Remember I said I'm gonna totally bring up navigating the in-between. This is a good yes. example of that, right? Um, And so that extreme. So first of all, we often build, like you said it perfectly, we, there's usually a reason why we've built that strong, independent personality, right? And Mm -hmm. it's in response to something. So there's a historical response to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like in terms of, if we look at the past, women didn't have their independence. They were considered Mm -hmm. property for so long, right? You know, generationally, we have this reaction to be Um, to not just have our strength and independence. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it's also become our armor, like Mm. the way we stay protected, the way we feel safe, the way we feel secure. And so for some people now, I think it's totally fine if people know they don't want a relationship. I'm not Mm -hmm. not one to say everyone should be or any of that. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, fine. But there's a lot of people, and I was one of them for a long time where I acted like I didn't need, like I didn't even want one because I didn't need one. And I thought that if I wanted one, it would meant I needed one. And so there's, so first of all, we swing all the way to the extreme often in this strength, this independence. Sometimes we say we want a committed relationship, but we're actually terrified of commitment because of what that might do to our independence and why that comes up. It's because for most of us in a relationship, we have done that. We have crumbled. We have given it all away. Mm -hmm. And so we swing. It's kind of like, oh, good. Someone else can hold me up for a while. Mm. And then we just, we sink into sink. you know, that's one, one theory. I could probably give you a few different theories, but one version of it might be, okay, good. I've been, I've been, man, I've been carrying the groceries every time I've been the one shoveling my driveway or I've been the one taking care of everything all the time. And now I have someone else. And then we just lean way too far Mm. the other way. And just, and, and so rather than just having it be someone supporting us, like, Hey, I am happy to have Tommy shovel the driveway. I got no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what we do is it's like, we let go of everything. Mm -hmm. We let go of all of uh, our own self accountability, right? Right. As opposed to navigate, how do I let, how do I allow myself to be contributed to? How do I keep my heart open without putting my heart in someone else's hands and having them be responsible? Because they're no man or woman is ever actually like intending on being the sole caregiver of your heart. They're thinking you're taking care of that thing. Right, right. right. (laughs) Um, Or your life or your, you know what I mean? Everything, right? And so, yeah, I think a lot of it is that we just have this tendency to swing to the extreme. I think sometimes too, we become... It's like we, as women, I think we have a tendency to do that because also we, by our nature... We, uh, we like feeling like we're contributing to people. We like yes. feeling like we're taking care. We're, we like it's feeling true. like we're making people happy. Like there's something, I think it's just that, that fundamental nurturer inside of us, whether we want to be parents or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we like that feeling, but it's at the le- when it's at the level of, of ego, which we all have, right? It's just part of right. being human. Um, we get a little addicted to that feeling. And then we don't like the feeling of inconveniencing someone. We don't like the feeling of saying um, no, you know, like, and, and then it's so funny because then what happens is we build resentment and mm-hmm. then we flip out 
right. or turn into super bitch or lose their sex drive, right? Whatever those it's. And then it's so, so the extreme just causes the backlash extreme to happen. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why so much of what I talk about, like, you know, and even if you think of the term, so power, so power, love, dating is the name of the book, but power love is a term I use a lot for mm -hmm. even like power loving yourself, power loving your business, power loving your money, like power love it all. Right. Mm. But the idea of power love is like that you have that sense of personal power or the strength, the, the drive of it all with still the softness of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but you have the softness of love without losing the strength and the drive and the, you know, so it's like the two merging together as this entity is kind of the whole idea of it. So that's um, to me, what my explanation of navigating the in-between, but it comes up everywhere. It comes up all yeah. the time. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I just love how we are covering this so deeply because, you know, at the end of the day, life is about relationships. It's about community and the most triggering or the most impactful relationship are typically our romantic relationships. And they're mm. so complicated. You know, it's so complicated. Like we want to label it. We don't want to label it. We, um, you know, want to be a certain way. And then we swing too much on one side. And then on the other side, it's yeah. just, just this ongoing journey of learning to love someone else as, as well as learning uh, to love yourself in the process as well, not forgetting who you are. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Oh, wow. Michelle, I feel like we could talk forever. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So let me, I know I, we probably could. Right. So I believe the gift that I wanted to, I just want to make sure it's powerless to powerful. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So yeah. So that's one thing. So that's a link. I think everyone should go to. That's another place where the teaching more than anything is coming from my, like some pretty intimate, raw and real stories from my life that I haven't shared on this podcast. And, and it really, it's for me, it's the story of going from powerless to powerful mm -hmm. in the area of love, but you'll hear that really it's in the, in the area of myself. Right. Mm. And so that's something I just wanted to gift everybody. It also gets people connected into, into my power love mailing list, which is great. I give lots of free content there. And, you know, I, I didn't mention this Jen, but one thing that I would love to invite everybody to, because this is something that's new and really exciting is I've just created a, a private Facebook group called Empowered Women. Oh, it has like a subtitle to it, but it's called Empowered Women. And you know what, Jen, I'll give you the link. I'll just Yeah, I do. I actually do have the link. So here Oh, you is. do? Okay, and I'm, like, yeah. I'm like literally looking at the Facebook group right now. So it says Empowered Women, the place for elevating self relationships and business. And it could be business or career, right? But yeah, so at the level of self, at the level of any kind of relationships and also with, within your business or career. So this is an awesome place. If you consider yourself an empowered woman or you want to be an empowered woman or if just being empowered or empowering others matters to you, this is an awesome place. We've been doing this for probably about a month now and uh, we're doing our first challenge coming up in a few days. It's just all very exciting. So, awesome. um, so everyone listening is totally invited to Yay. uh to join me there yeah beautiful i will probably put in my request as well yeah <laughs> to join that yeah. group and uh, be in community with you and and the people that i'm sure you inspire and empower above all else yeah. uh michelle i i needed this conversation today thank you ah you're welcome uh, such <laughs> a pleasure such a pleasure yeah, no, this is a wonderful conversation today, and I hope that our listeners had gained a ton from it. Uh, before we go, uh, any closing thoughts and also how, uh, in addition to everything you already threw at us, how yeah. can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Well, Facebook's a really easy, easy way. And, and, and I never want there to be a division. Like if you want to just send me a private message through Facebook, like you're not intruding, just do that. That's the <laughs> easiest way. I, you know, I'm a big girl. I turn my notifications off. So I only check when it works for me. So anytime, yeah. day or night, you know, if you need to, you know, that's the easiest way. Um, and then of course, there's also um, my, my website, which is michellebaxo.com. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you again so much for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And to mm -hmm. our listeners, thank you for listening. We hope that you were able to say, I needed this too. And with that said, we uh, thank you so much for your time and look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Mm -hmm.